0: Good evening, Uh, Echo. Thank you for braving the the water drops and uh, coming out. It was a heavy rain in Pamlico on the way here. I'm not sure how it's been raining in New Bern all day, but in Pamlico County, it was definitely water in the grass. So as we've as we've studied through here uh, through the first uh, the first two weeks we've we've made our way to the third chapter of John uh, we'll be in the fifth chapter of John today or this evening and as you turn there uh, to the fifth chapter of First John the Apostle John is a writer of contrast. And, and we recognize this even from the sermon this morning of, of moving through the book of John. Uh, he is a light, dark, obedience, disobedience writer. And the Bible is full of these if-then statements. Even in our Sunday school class this, this morning, uh, as, as we move through the book of Proverbs, we hear a lot of these if and thens. If you do this, then this will happen. Or if you don't do this, then this will happen. And and and, and there's always a consequence, a, a positive or a negative outcome uh, to every action. Uh, I would argue there's never a time in your life when you make a decision or you're acting on one desire or the other uh, that it doesn't lay the course for the next desire or decisions to be made. I, I find myself in this situation quite frequently in the evenings, usually around 7, 10 p.m. when the Atlanta Braves come on to play baseball. And, and I have schoolwork to do and, uh, and I may even have some, some regular work to do, but I find myself making the decision that I'm just going to watch the first inning. I just want to see the first inning because you can usually tell how the game's going to go in the first inning. And that decision leads to another desire to watch the second inning. And and then usually by the time it's all said and done, it's about 1030 at night and then I'm up until one in the morning trying to get my schoolwork done. So there's always a consequence. There's always a, a situation that, that we put ourselves in uh, for every every decision that we make. But I, I don't mean to imply that that what John is talking about is as easy to understand as a simple issue of time management. Uh, or procrastination. I, I try to stay away from that word even though that's what it really is. Uh, but instead he's using sin as a proof of desire or a proof of salvation. Reading from chapter three through our, through our text uh, tonight, a, a contrast continues between the fruit of the children of God and the children of the devil. And as a side note, uh, this terminology in chapter three of knowing God is even found in John's gospel in uh, chapter eight and verse 44, where he talks about being children of God or they didn't know him because they were children of the devil. But there's always there's always a contrast in John's writing. And all throughout this scripture, he does reference those that do not know God. But we see more of an emphasis put on those that do know God and what's expected of those that do know God and the signs and the evidence that will be shown from that. So let's just take a quick trip. Through chapter three and chapter four, as as we move uh, into our text tonight, so so the working of the truth of Christ in us is what produces genuine love. And even in verse eleven of chapter three, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. Here we have again this this beginning uh, terminology. It's not another message that was from the beginning; just another part of the same message uh, that was from the beginning. John also tells us to love one another and that when we do this, we make it evident that we are children of God and born from him. He tells us to test the spirits in chapter four. Uh, he touches again on this, this belief uh, that would later be known as docetism. Uh, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago and basically what they believed uh, was that Christ was divine, but that he was not actually flesh on earth. Uh, that he just seemed to be here. So what they did was they denied the manifestation. John reiterates this manifest, this word manifest, multiple times throughout this letter that he's writing to the church. Even in chapter 4, verse 2, John writes this. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. So he's just reiterating this, this, this point that Christ did come to earth. He was manifest. He was God with us walking on earth. He also tells us to be true followers of Christ will continue to grow less hostile to the ways of God and more hostile to sin. We will turn from sin in our daily walks. There should not be a practice, okay, he uses that terminology, that no one who practices sin, okay, so there shouldn't be a practice or a repetition of sin in our lives. And although the message does not change uh, when we get to chapter 5, chapter 5 is where the letter ends. And this is my last week. So there's your quick trip through 3 and 4, and now we find ourselves in 5, uh, and the focus on this chapter and in this chapter only tonight, we're going to look at verses nine, 12 and 13 and and verse 20. I'm sorry. Verses nine, 12 and 13 and 20. However, I am going to read the entire chapter. It's only 21 verses. Uh, it won't take us long. So if you're able and you're willing, please stand as we read the word of God. Looking at 1 John chapter 5, reading the entire chapter 1 to 21. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. he is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this opportunity to open your word, to worship you in your word, to worship you in the study of your word. I pray that, that you would direct my thoughts, that you would, you would direct my words, that I would not err. And where I do, those that are listening, I pray that you would stop the ears. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. Maybe may be seated. So as I have presented to you the salvation that is found in the word of life, which is Christ in the first week, I've I've also presented to you the sanctification uh, that is the work of the Spirit in us the second week. So the two definitions remind us of the scriptures. Salvation I just make sure that we, we have a, a, an idea of this, that it is not a place or an idea. However, salvation is the ability to fellowship with our Creator. That's the, that was the divide that was created, and that's how salvation and redemption work, is it makes us able to fellowship. The fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ, as we read in the first chapter, in the first four verses. The second definition of sanctification that we went over last week is the process by which God grows his children in knowledge of himself, making them more holy, setting them apart for special service. The word of God abides in us, making us able to resist the evil one. That's what it says. It, it says, when you, when you look back at, at chapter three, since you have your Bibles there, it's only one, pa- one page back, at least it is in mine. Um, when you look at what he's writing to the young men in that sanctification process, he says, I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. The sanctification process and, and this process of giving salvation, it's, it's a blessing and it's a gift. But there's a responsibility that comes with that. The sovereignty of God working through our salvation, working through prov- this providential acts throughout uh, his own creation. But when we move through this last portion of Scripture, I want to pose to you two questions. And I'd like you to keep these in focus. They'll they'll be up on the screen a couple times as we move through. Um, But the two questions, from where does our security and salvation come? And how do we know that our salvation is secure? I I know it sounds like the same question twice, just posed in different terminologies. But the the thing that we have to look at is so is Christ and the Holy Spirit they are one they work together in everything yet they are separate so yes there are two questions here from where does our security and salvation come and how do we know that our salvation is secure this is the fun of the explanation of looking at how Christ works in our life how the Holy Spirit indwells us and works in our life as well there, there was a course uh, that was prepared for me in the proclamation of this text uh, of the first letter of John. And, and I must admit, until just a short while ago, it, it didn't connect. I, I don't mean earlier today, but it, just a short while ago. I, I knew I was going to preach three messages. I've known that for quite some time now. I, I knew that they were going to be salvation, sanctification, and I know you're expecting another S word, but it's not there. It's assurance. I could have used security I guess but I don't know I I, I wanted to be a rebel for just a little while and uh, so so assurance but but the way the first two salvation and sanctification will make the third assurance so easy to explain just hit me recently so looking at the definition of assurance I stole this. I didn't come up with this myself, and I can't remember who I stole it from, but I did steal it. Uh, Assurance is the soul's apprehension of its complete emancipation from the power of evil and from consequent judgment through the atoning grace of Christ. I know that this will not come as a surprise to you, but in this method of revelation... God in his infinite mercy and in his grace has given us the two most wonderful gifts that we could ever hope for. He has given us his word, the word of life, his only begotten son, and he has given us the spirit that testifies. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So, from where does the security and salvation come? So, in order to work through this in a timely manner, I'm telling you, there's there's so much detail in this last chapter of 1 John. I, I think that we could study this weeks and weeks and weeks, months upon months. But John speaks immediately of the word of life as he starts this entire letter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which we have touched with our hands. Concerning the Word of Life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. The Word that was from the beginning, the Word of God, His Son, our salvation. The Word is the revelation from God about Himself, and that is the root of our salvation. We find our salvation and the root of our salvation located in the first four verses of this letter and then through the rest of the letter. But the word of God. There's there's something I do, I typically try to do whenever I'm starting a new Bible study. I usually try to reestablish with whoever is, is, is attending the authority of Scripture. If, if we don't root ourselves in the authority of Scripture, then we're going to lose that authority as we move throughout and we're not going to allow ourselves to be transformed. We're not going to allow ourselves to be renewed in our mind by this Scripture that we're reading. So the first thing that we have to reaffirm is that the word of God is the word of God, that it is the ultimate authority in our lives. Even, even in the world, even for those that don't believe, that is still the authority. That's the most authoritative black and white words that you can, that you can find. It is the word of God. We even have the words from Paul to Timothy that remind him that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, for salvation. But But listen to what he says just prior to that in 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15. I thought I had it marked here, but I lost it. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This word, this authoritative word that is the sacred writings that, are, that, that give us the, the knowledge of salvation are wonderful way older than Timothy I think we have to establish that truth in the authority of the scripture in order to find our security in our salvation if you recall in in the first week I kept saying over and over again this is a message that has not changed this is a message that has remained the same since before the foundations of the world There's not been a change to this message. And then I said it again this message has not changed. This message of salvation is still the same salvific message that we have heard from the beginning. Christ is the same Savior as He was since from the beginning. And we kind of worked through that beginning, but nothing ever changed. So even looking at an Old Testament passage, From the prophet Isaiah, when you look at 55 verse 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I know there's a few things that that word is accomplishing in those times. But I, when I read about the word of God and I, and I read about this as he says, so shall my word be that it goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty or, or void as, as some translations would have it, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. And then I move that into the New Testament and I reference that to what we have called the word of life and that Christ came to earth and he died for our sins and he accomplished everything that was set to be accomplished when he came, there was not one thing that when Christ ascended back into heaven that he forgot to do while he was here, like me sending an email and then after it's sent and it's gone, I realize I never put the attachment on it. So then I have to send another email, something like that, something like driving to New from Oriental and, and forgetting maybe what I came here for, but also maybe just the list. Who knows? Christ is not that way. He accomplished everything that he set to accomplish when he came to earth. And he is still doing that because that word is still our security. We still find our security in the word of God as it's planted in our hearts. But just like in our Bible study classes that that I lead on Wednesday nights from time to time, do we affirm, I I ask this question, do we affirm that the Holy Bible that we have is the true and unchangeable Word of God? We must. We must because if it's not, then who gets to change it? And do we not fall under under the authority of man when we start doing that? So, as we affirm that the Holy Bible is the unchangeable word of God, then we have to look at what we're supposed to do with that word of God. Yes, we're to believe it, but we're to plant it in our heart by the renewing of our mind as living sacrifices. What does that for us? That's where the Spirit comes in to play. The Holy Spirit, I've used this this passage and and I don't think it's going to come up right away, uh, but the Romans passage that I got wrong the first time and then I corrected it the second time through, talking about the Spirit bearing witness that we're children of God. In 1 John 5, 6, this is one who came by water and blood, he says. Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. But notice if you would, when he talks about the testimony of men, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who keeps his commandments in in chapter three, verse 24, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. We know this, that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And then again in chapter 4, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. In John, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, in verse 16. And I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you If you notice, obviously I hope you do, I have another bold and capitalized. I even have it underlined. I'm trying to draw attention to it if, if, you, couldn't, if you couldn't pick up on that. There's two ways that we can use the word another. And, and the way that it was explained to me just, just works perfect, so I'm, I'm going to use the same analogy. And it just so happens there's some props right here for me. I have a bottle of water here. I can, I can give you this bottle of water, and then I can give you another bottle of water. Are they the same? I but I could still use the word another, right? I gave you one bottle of water and I've given you another bottle of water. That's not how it works here. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. The the other helper is the Spirit, right? Is the Holy Spirit. They're not different. They have the same power. They have the same word. It's the same truth. Look, it even says later in that very passage, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, In this portion of the gospel of John, these are the words of Christ. Look at that that last line, for he dwells with you, looking at that as present tense, dwells with you. Look at the next line, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. It's the word of God planted on the heart of you. As, as, as Christ left, he says, I must go. You'll get another helper. He's going to be just like me. He's going to, everything is going to be just the same. He's going to have the same word. He's going to bring the same testimony that I bring. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. That's how we believe. That heart is made new and the word of God is written on our heart and then the spirit testifies to our heart proclaiming those truths that have been written on our heart and then he testifies to those truths that are written on our heart. So how do we know that our salvation is secure. Well, we know that our security and salvation comes from the word. We have the word. And how do we know that our salvation is secure, but the word is written on our heart? It is an unchanging word and it is written on our heart. It is there and it will, the testimony is real day in, day out, moment by moment. The assurance of salvation given by God is the faith He has given us. The faith is the belief in the Savior of our souls and the fully executed sacrifice that paid for our sins, it canceled the debt, and has made us clean from the stain of sin. However, there may be times in our daily lives where we falter, we may stumble and we may fall. I don't think I'm alone. Sometimes we may even question God's love for us. But even when we do not know what to pray, and even when we do not know what to say, the gift of the Spirit is there testifying and reminding us. Our security is found in the Word of God and the Spirit that continues to testify and comfort us as we move through this life I told you last week we were not going to go into the sin that leads to death and the sin that doesn't and I was right we're not going to but we are going to look at verse 20 and we know that the son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true In his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. There is no other. We believe that Christ was manifest. He came to earth. He suffered and he died. He rose again. And then he left his spirit. The work of salvation amongst all three, between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. With different work, all with the same purpose. All with the same goal, all with the same end result. There's a passage in Philippians, and I'm sure that you're familiar with it, but I'll read it to you again because it's a wonderful blessing. It's a blessing to leave as we, as we complete this study in 1 John, this short series. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. This assurance of salvation, this faith, this gift of faith, this ability to believe. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop in the childhood state. It doesn't stop in the the young man stage. And it doesn't even stop as we grow old and mature. John, throughout this letter, is reminding the church of their individual and corporate security rooted in Christ. As he is laying out the necessity of holding to the truth of who Christ is and was, and what he really accomplished and is still accomplishing. Amen. The book of John, the, letter, the first letter of John has been so fun to study. I, I know that we, we didn't go as deep as we could um, but just, just thinking of, of the salvific message that comes. From from any portion of Scripture you read, uh, from from Genesis to Revelation, uh, looking at the sanctification process as, as we go through, uh, you know, from, from children to young men and and, and warriors, as I used uh, last week, uh, dependence warriors, and and leaders, and then the assurance that we have, that the the assurance of salvation, the security of of our souls, the security of eternal life. Um, it's, it's a wonderful blessing. It's a wonderful truth. Uh, it's one that it's one that keeps us going. It's that testimony to our hearts that even in, in, in the times of, of, of of falter and falling, um, that we hold true to this truth of God, this, this love of God, that, that all that he has given him will come to him and he will lose not a single one. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this time of opening your word. We thank you for your steadfast love that you have for us. This this love that never ends. This gift of faith that you have given us that lasts forever. For planting your word, your, your never changing word in our heart on our soul, in our mind, for giving us the gift of your spirit that indwells us, that, 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 that lives and tells us and reminds us of your love. The sacrifice that was made, the calling us, the securing us, keeping us even in our failures because you are Faithful. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for giving us the ability to understand your word and to understand you more and more. And I pray that you would change the desires of our heart each and every day to make us desire your will more, to desire your ways more. So that, so that when we do pray and we pray the desires of our heart, they line up with your desires and they line up with your will so that we can know that you hear our prayers Lord we thank you for all of this we thank you for Christ our Savior that has redeemed our souls and made us able to fellowship with you to stand before our creator justified sins blotted out you are a wonderful God amazing God we love you and we thank you